Nation. Hello, welcome to Dream Nation Love. I'm your host, Yulia. Today's show is going to be a little different. Due to the pandemic, we've all been spending a lot of time indoors as well as outdoors. And I wanted to do a deep dive into nature and get a little metaphysical today. So I invited Amy Dempster onto the show. She's a modern day shaman, earth tender, and portal keeper. And we'll get into what all of these things are on the podcast in a bit. Amy has learned to speak the language of nature. And now she's helping lightworkers, starseeds, and others with a deep connection to nature on their spiritual journey. So if you're tuning in here, you're probably on the right path. And I'm really, really glad that you found Dream Nation Love and Amy Dempster, of course. This episode is all about communicating and working with the spirit and the healing energies of nature. We'll even talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is Bigfoot. I'm obsessed with Bigfoot. Amy also has a course on her site on how to connect with Bigfoot elders. We talk about this on the show. It's amazing. You can check it out on her site at followinghawks.com. Check out her site and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the show. Amy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Amy. Thank you so much for joining. Where do I begin to describe your work? You are a grid keeper. You work with the healing energies of nature. You are a modern day shaman. Is there anything else that I missed? There's so many. <laughs> no, no, those are good. I have a hard time describing myself <laughs> for all of those reasons. But yes, that's a good a good place to start. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, Amy. And I start out the show by asking everybody, what was their dream as a kid? Well, <laughs> I don't know what specifically that I had some dream <laughs> as a kid. It's, it was really interesting when you asked me that question, because I just thought, what was my dream as a kid? And I loved music. I loved being outside. I love nature and grew up on a farm as well. And so all of those things, interestingly, kind of have come together for me as an adult. But yeah, I don't, I can't think back to like any specific dream or thing that I wanted to do or be when I was a kid. But it kind of makes sense, right? You played around in nature and and you're very connected to nature now. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, I mean, I spent... A lot of times, like I said, growing up on a farm, obviously I was outside all the time, every day. And so that certainly continued. I was actually an agriculture major in college, plant science. So, I mean, that was there all along. And yeah, I just kind of continued putting all of those pieces together slowly but surely over the years. So when did you realize that you had this ability to work with the healing properties of nature? How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, really, it was a process over quite a few years of kind of figuring things out and putting the pieces together. You know, it really started shortly after we moved to Montana. And I would be out on kind of my daily walks through the neighborhood and started realizing that I was receiving messages kind of from my environment and around me, but I didn't really know where they were coming from. You know, it was like thoughts in my head that I didn't put there or words coming in and, and messages coming in. And I finally realized it was the trees and the trees were asking me in initially just to pick up trash. And so I would always have a bag with me when I would go out on a walk and be able to pick up trash. And it was so funny because if I forgot a bag, 
you know, I would say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to bring a bag today. And like the next few steps along my path, there would be a bag that I could put things in. And so they made sure that <laughs> that I didn't go out for a walk without picking up trash. So that was kind of the initial thing where I started questioning and really asking like, what's going on? What is happening? Where are these messages coming from? Can I talk to the trees? Can the trees talk to me? And that kind of became just like an exploration for me over time and putting the pieces together of what's really possible and how these are things that we can all do and all work together with the earth in this way. So I'm intuitive, but I, I don't really know how to control it. Like we had a poltergeist in the house. Like I'm very comfortable with spirits and, and things like that. I, I don't have an ability to really communicate with them, nor do I really want to develop it. But information comes to me, thoughts, ideas, and I'm like, okay, here we go again. But like, I haven't like done a deep dive into it. But I wonder how, how can you tell that it's the trees? Like, how does that, because I don't know where, my voices are coming from. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, like yeah. the other day, I was getting ready to walk walk my five month old with my mother down the street, and I just had this loud, like voice. Like I don't know if it was my higher consciousness voice or some voice in my head, and it said, "Don't bring your wallet today. Somebody's gonna pull up and ask you for money, and they're gonna rob you." And I was like, "What?" Yeah, that's pretty. That, pretty that's weird. Like our neighborhood is. Yeah, it's, it was very specific and like our neighborhood is very safe. So I was like, that's weird. Sure enough, we go outside and some rinketing car pulls up and it's like some 20 year old kid. And he's like, hey, my car is running out of gas. I was just at the gas station. Do you have any money on you? And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, no, I left my wallet at home. I was like, I can. And, but I was like, but I was messing with him. I was like, I can Venmo you. What's your name? What's your email? <laughs> And my mom was like, stop. Stop talking Don't to him. Push it. Just keep on walking. Stop. But he, he was definitely sketchy. Like, if you're running out of money, you stay at the gas station. Yeah. You don't, like, pull up to random people on the street and ask them for money, blowing your gas money. Right, right. So that's, like, that's like weird things that happen that I'm like, okay, I, I get messages and, like, it's there to protect me. So I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it really is... There's information really, you know, and, and wisdom all around us all the time. But I think oftentimes in those situations, you know, it's it's really our higher self coming in to assist us. It could be an ancestor, or it could be, you know, we kind of assign these different energies to energies that are around us. But oftentimes in that case, I think our soul or our higher self, you know, is really it's so much more and so much more vast than just what can be held in this body in this lifetime. And so really, it's like all that wisdom is available to us and can kind of drop in at any time. And the more we work together with our higher self or request and ask for that, you know, information to come in, the more it just becomes kind of part of your daily interaction. Sometimes I think my higher self is sending me messages from the future because I was like, I started talking to my higher self probably when I was like 15 and I was like, hey, future me, can you send me like a little roadmap? Like I know where I have to go. I know what I want to do. That's awesome. Can you help assist that out? Like I wrote a letter to myself to open when I'm like 35. I have to find it. It's probably, it's probably gone. <laughs> but I was like, I kind of can remember it. It's like, hey, hope you're in New York. Hope you're working in advertising. Hope you achieve your dreams. And I'm like, I wrote a letter. Like <laughs> that'll be fun to find. To, for my 
30-year-old self to open, right? But I digress. But my question to you is like, as you work with spirits of the land and as you work with trees, how can you decipher? And like, what advice do you have for people on like how to decipher what these voices are and where they're coming from? Yeah, well, it's really interesting because every one of us is different and unique in how we communicate. But that being said, you know, all of these energies, trees, plants, mountains, crystals, and then obviously lots of other earth-based spirits that maybe you can't physically see in your environment, they all communicate through telepathy, you know, that's really what is their common language. And so if we, you know, it's just like learning another language, and understanding that they're going to send messages to you on a frequency that you can align with or match up with. And so it takes a little practice on both sides, like they don't talk to humans all that much, there aren't that many humans, <laughs> they're like going out in the woods and saying, Hey, trees, like who wants to talk to me? They are usually very excited <laughs> when they come across people who are like that and want to interact with them. But it is really a matter of matching that frequency. So they're going to try different ways. And it might be they might send you pictures, they might send you words, they might send you feelings that you pick up in your body. And we have different gifts that are easier, you know, or harder for us to tap into. So a lot of people are not visual or, you know, what we might say clairvoyant. And I have found I wasn't for a long time, it really is like through the more I've done this, the more I realize I can see, but it was just a matter of practice um, of doing that and really accepting that there's other ways information comes in. And I find what most people um, are, are most comfortable with is feeling things through their bodies. But then that's the thing that we trust the least, right? Where you go somewhere and you just go, oh, I have a bad feeling in my stomach. That's a message being sent to you. That's you picking up on the energy in the space. And the more we can recognize those things and say, oh, I got the chills when I walk past this tree, or just even what you visibly see, oh, this flower is especially beautiful. Like, it's calling your attention. It's asking you to come closer. So I usually suggest when people go outside, if they really want to practice this connection, is go by yourself so you're not tempted to you know, be in conversation with somebody else. Leave your phone in the house so you're not looking at it. And then just really slow down your pace. So however, what, however fast you would normally walk, cut that in half and walk even slower and really, really observe your surroundings and look and see where you're pulled, like what interests you, what catches your attention, what do you see, and really make that connection and say, you know, hi, <laughs> uh, what do you have for me today? Or would you like to communicate with me today? And then start noticing how those sensations come in through your body, because it's not necessarily going to be a full blown conversation or a really developed message initially. How developed do these messages get? Like, can trees form full sentences or is it just like partial bits of like information? <laughs> is it going to feel like a Tolstoy novel? Or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on the interpreter, right? It's on, on us because we're the ones taking it and turning it into words. I like to do a lot of written channeling. And so I'll sit down to write and it's it usually kind of takes a minute to get going depending on who I'm interacting with. And they might show me a picture and I'll, I won't know what it means. And so I'll say, show it to me a different way or explain to me what that has to do with my question or whatever the case may be. And then they'll show me something else or I'll get a little burst of words. And it's like, 
it just kind of starts to flow and then it does it does become language and written out but it's it's me translating what they're showing or telling me i think for people listening to the show who don't know what journaling is and correct me if i'm wrong it's basically you're sitting down and you're writing everything that comes through being like a vessel. Exactly. Yeah. It's really, it's another form of channeling where you're receiving that information. Some people like to do it verbally. They like to verbally describe kind of, or explain what's coming in. I prefer writing. It's easier for me. Yeah. So I just kind of write and let it flow. And sometimes it'll be like pages and pages come through. And sometimes it's like one sentence, you know, (laughs) or some pictures. And it really depends on who I'm communicating with, what they have to say and what needs to come through. It's interesting, you know, like we moved into this house and it's a very old house and we started getting a poltergeist in the beginning and I started noticing little gray dots Mm -hmm. dancing in the living room, like little, little dark shadowy energies just bouncing around. We're watching TV, just little things. And I didn't say anything to my husband for quite some time because I was like, (laughs) and finally I was like, look, are are you seeing these great things? Like, and he's like, I'm seeing those great things. I didn't want to say anything to you. (laughs) And then we started getting like a poltergeist in the house. And finally I just saged and like talked to it. And I was like, okay, you, you can't hang out here anymore. Like you have to move on. And it listened luckily. So hopefully knock on wood, it's gone, but it was like doing little things. Like, yeah, that was nice. They listened. And that's what obviously I work with homes a lot because I'm working with the land and and with property. And and that's what I try to explain to people more than anything is that most of these ghosts and houses, right? They're just people. They're just people who passed away and didn't know what to do and didn't know where to go. And now they're just hanging out here until somebody helps them. But that being said, like these are our homes. So we get to decide what's okay here and what's not acceptable. And I think in our culture, We've really been taught through media and movies and that kind of thing that these things are kind of out of our control. And oh gosh, oh no, you have a haunted house, you know, like you're doomed. And that's not the case at all. It's very much, I mean, just like you say, you have to let them know this isn't okay in my house and you can't stay here. Obviously, it's possible to help them get crossed over. But even if that's not a skill that you know or something that you want to learn, you can absolutely tell them they can't stay here and they've got to go. You're, as beings who are embodied and currently living, you are connected to source and you have the power to decide what's acceptable in your home. Yeah. You work a lot with the land, with the spirits of the land, and you work a lot with regulating the energy too, which I think is interesting. And I was listening to your last podcast and uh, you said you were called to like do these 10 sessions and And then it turns out that there was like a higher mission behind the 10 sessions, which I found like super interesting. So I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it was really fascinating. So one of the things that I do is readings and healing work with the land. It's a regular offering that I have, but then it was in March. I just got a really strong message one day that was like, you need to do 10 readings in 10 days. And I wrote it down. It was while I was, you know, channeling. And so I wrote it down and thought about it for a minute and then kind of went to that place, right, where you're just like, well, I need to figure out how to do that and put all the pieces together and how to tell people and write an email, right? Like all of these things. And the next day, the same thing happened again. It came through really strongly. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to get on Instagram stories and just tell people that I've got a coupon for 10 readings and first 10 people get them and it was they were gone in like five minutes, which I was really surprised. And then a few then some more people just booked. 
beyond those 10. And so all of a sudden I had 17 readings to do in like a really short period of time. I did not make the 10 day mark at all. It took me like three weeks to do 17 of them because it's, it's a lot of energy that's coming through. And I kind of had to integrate and process like what was coming through for me. And I think, I think part of why I needed to do them in such a short period of time was that I probably wouldn't have seen the patterns if I was only doing doing kind of the couple of months that I normally do would have been over too long of a period of time. So seeing them all in a really short period of time, I could see the patterns. And really, a lot of what I was being asked to do in them was not specific to these individual houses, but to the larger locations where they were at. And a lot of the work that I do is with the Earth's grids, which is like the electromagnetic grid network that's within the Earth. And it's where energy moves. Oftentimes, people would call them ley lines, that type of thing. But over whatever, centuries, <laughs> thousands of years, many generations, a lot of things have happened to the grids. You know, they've been tampered with, they've been damaged, broken, redirected, all kinds of different things. And so, a lot of what I was being asked to do in these readings was to work on repairing these grid lines in some across a whole state, across a whole island, across multiple states, that type of thing. It was a really big shift in some ways of how I was doing that work and how it was working. It was a really fascinating project. <laughs> yeah, you have a whole like a podcast about it too, if, if people want to delve into it a little bit more. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if I had any more questions about doing land work. I was listening to one of your podcasts and you said that there's an ability to summon spirits also to protect the whole entire house, like an mm -hmm. army of spirits as well. Yep. So there are different things that different people can do depending on like what's happening with a household. And I find that really interesting. And before we like, I really want to talk about grid keeping and stargate portals and light bodies. I'm like, ah, I just want to get there. But <laughs> I'm like, I want to talk about everything. But I also want to go back to taking care of the land. I was going to ask you, like, you have workshops as well. And what can people expect to learn as they go through this workshop and they learn to speak to the spirits of the land and just talk a little bit about that process usually and what that entails. The Earth Tenders Academy is, is what it's called, but it really walks you through. It's called the Earth Tenders Academy. And it really is, I walk people through this whole process of really getting to know the place that you live on a much deeper level. And some of it's in, you know, the physical where does your water come from? How does the water move through the area you live? What are the stories of settlement in your area? Who were the indigenous people? What exactly happened on the land where you live? And some of that's really important because as you start interacting with the spirits of the land, they want to tell you these things or they want to show you, in some cases, trauma that's happened in a location or the way that the land was damaged. And so it's important for us to know and have some of those backstories about where it is we live. So some of it is really just getting to know the bigger environment where you live at. But then we dive deeper into meeting the spirits of the land. Who are those spirits who might want to come and communicate with you and go into some of these more multidimensional things about grids and portals and working outside of space and time. How does that work? You know, all of those types of things. And then ultimately showing people how to do their own healing work and readings and whatnot with the land. And that's something that we practice as a group together every month, because I think, like I said earlier, it's the 
hardest thing <laughs> is to really trust our intuitive senses in many cases because it's just not taught to us as you know children it's not it's always there we're always aware of it but we haven't been taught to believe and trust those things that are coming through to us so i really love having an opportunity for everybody to gather at least once a month and practice and do a reading together and do healing work together and then say this is what happened and this is what i experienced and see all of the different ways that people are receiving information that is oftentimes similar. And that's, that's how you start can see and learn like, oh, three different people had this experience with this particular spot on the property, but they each saw it in a different way, but it all correlated to the same thing. And they were all working on the same thing. So it's always really fascinating to me to, to see how that is and helps everybody kind of build their skills in connecting with the land in that way. And I love that. That is so interesting. I keep on thinking about another episode that I was listening to of yours and there was a cartographer on there speaking about how she just like mapped all the all the rose lines or the bloodlines as you call them and and she was just going through this map which was so fascinating and what I thought was really really interesting because it kind of ties into a project that I'm working on I'm working on a multi-episode series on missing native women in the Midwest uh-huh. especially mm-hmm. in Montana, South mm-hmm. Dakota, and um, North Dakota, especially around the oil fields. Yeah. And I was blown away because I was listening to this cartographer speaking, and then she talked about the the energy that's trapped around those oil fields and like how it's leading to a lot of negative things, mm-hmm. especially as they affect women, you know, a lot of the sex trafficking. And that just like, I was taking a walk listening to the show and I literally stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is directly tying into something that I'm working on. And like, I know it's connected, but I'm not sure how. (laughs) Which, you know, know, is kind of my constant situation, right? It's always like putting the puzzle pieces together and those pieces, but you're absolutely right. And I I think what she was referring to specifically in that discussion was when we're drilling like this, especially, you know, energies are being released as well. It's not just natural gas or oil, which obviously is having an effect anyway on the land. But there are energies held in the land that are being released. And we don't know always what they are or what the intent is or how it will affect the people. And so I think she was really kind of diving in and talking a little bit about how, especially in that kind of Western Montana, east opposite Eastern Montana, Western <laughs> North Dakota kind of area where all of that drilling has been happening is what are those energies doing? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it's a very violent act to the land, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like raping the land. Like it, yeah. it's literally drilling Mother Earth. It's kind of like, wow, that's interesting to see that like abuse connection coming through to another feminine energy that happens yeah. to be there, which is which is the women. This kind of connects to that grid piece as well. This masculine versus feminine kind of energy and really what you can see when you kind of trace back over time is that people who are using the energy lines to travel the world, really, I mean, the colonists, colonizers, as they were sailing around the world and then traveling the lands that they landed on. They were using the grid lines to do that, but they weren't just using them to navigate. They were using them to extract natural resources. And that's really when you look back over time, what you see is 
They were looking for gold. They were looking for silver. They were looking, you know, for all of these things that could be extracted from the land to make them richer, more powerful. You know, that's very heavy masculine energy. And I think what's coming back now is it's not just the bringing back of the feminine, but it's really the balance and finding that balanced energy of the masculine and the feminine. And I think that's a lot of what I have been working with on the grid lines as well. You know, it'd be super interesting. So one of the women that I interviewed, she's a cartographer and she created a whole entire map of all the missing women. And she's Native American. So she created this map with the local people in the areas and they incorporate plants, they incorporate trees. It's a different way to do cartography. And I was thinking maybe I should put you guys in touch somehow. Like, I wonder if there might be some connection. You never know, you know? I yeah. was like, I was like, that's just so interesting that she's a cartographer and then you you guys are doing cartography. Maybe you figure out that there's like a massive triangle of energy where women are especially disappearing. It very well could know. be. Yeah. I would, I would love to see the map. She gave it over to the FBI two years ago and they still haven't entered it into their database. Wow. It's something that we're going to be pushing for to get FBI to actually acknowledge all these missing women because it's on uh, native land. So they mm-hmm. kind of leave it up to the res. But then the res is like, well, technically the federal level should get involved. So it's this like tug of war of like over the fence that happens mm-hmm. and these women kind of like go missing in the cracks. But that's a whole entire different podcast. And I digress in so (laughs) many ways. But I I do want to get back to like grids and grid keeping. And and you talk about people traveling on these grid lines. Now, when you talk about colonizers traveling on these grid lines, were they aware that they were traveling on these grid lines? Like, I know we talked about like, you know, Jesus and Mary bloodlines. Rosicrucians? I'm going to mispronounce it. (laughs) Yeah. The Rosicrucians, the Rosy Cross yeah. <laughs> group, yes. Yeah, the Rosy Cross group, like they're really into that. I'm curious if people had, again, going back to maps that they were using to extract these riches and for colonizing, or if it was just kind of like a, let's set sail over there and see what happens. For me, like I try and do as much research as I can without spending too much time and energy on it because in many cases it's just kind of like it's old news right we're doing new things now but i think it's really important also to know and understand like how did we get here how did this happen how did these pieces come together and based on kind of what i've been reading and things that i've looked up plus my own kind of intuitive downloads and those types of things i absolutely believe they knew exactly what they were doing how they were traveling and what they were looking for and that was what i was sharing in my last podcast i think that you listened to was how this information has been passed i think at least as far back as the time of atlantis you know and that information really stayed on earth and was passed down generation after generation And I think it ultimately ended up in the hands of the Knights Templars and then, now I'm going to say it wrong, Rosicrucians, that movement, and then it ended up in the Masonic traditions, which over many different kind of timelines and generations also filtered out into many of the religions. And really it was, the earth has changed a lot at the time and for many thousands of years. The energy on Earth was very, very dense, and it was very difficult to make these kind of connections that are so much easier now and to connect with what we might say is the other side of the veil. And whether that's our ancestors or whether that's star beings or whether that's a tree, <laughs> those type of connections or fairies, were much fairies. or fairies, yeah, no, anything, you know, fill in the blank, any kind of energies. And so if you had the ability 
to make those connections and be receiving wisdom, whether it be from your ancestors or the angels or whoever, you were in a position of power. It was very, very powerful information to have. And that type of work was easier to do in places where the energies were heightened. And that's where lines crossed, right? Where we might consider there to be a portal or a vortex. And it is, it's like that opening of energies. And so what you see over time is that certain groups of people knew exactly where these lines were or knew how to map them and how to find them. Or in some cases, we're literally walking and traveling the land looking for them. And of course, wherever they went, there were indigenous people who knew, who knew where these, what they would have considered sacred places were. But as time went by, you know, and those places were found, you put a church there. (laughs) And now the church is the place to communicate with the divine. But it was much deeper in that, no, it was a literal place to do this kind of energetic work that would have been much more difficult to do in other locations. So I think that was a big piece of it. And then the following piece being, as far as I can tell, resources like minerals and that type of thing tend to also cluster along these energetic lines. So if you knew where these lines were, you could potentially dig for gold and send that gold back to Europe and continue building more wealth, more riches, more, more whatever. So, and of course it just like, it becomes layers and layers and layers, right? It's that, you know, now you have the layers of eradicating indigenous people wherever, you know, those places went or instituting slavery and all of these different things. It's almost like everything flows from this bit of knowledge that was so held so tightly and so was so important to the rich and the powerful people. Well, you know, I was just thinking about mineral extractions and how we're talking about telepathy and all of that. And I'm going to try to tie that back into like current modern times in a way, because telepathy is kind of like a text message, right? Like if you are tuned into the right frequency and if you have this antenna, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, you can just get this text message. Right. And if you would have told someone in the 1800s that you're going to have some device and somebody from anywhere in the world is going to be able to email you. You're going to be like, you're crazy. (laughs) But I think, I think in a way we are right now in our current 1800s, because in the future, you're not going to need a device. You're going to be able to have Neuralink or you're going to be able to have like just the ability to tap into that frequency, like a radio Mm -hmm. station. Like people are going to take up meditation. They're going to achieve a new consciousness and they're going to be able to talk to trees. They're going to be able to talk to animals. I've been vegetarian since I was 12 and I've been vegan since this is my sixth time going vegan. I still have aches every once in a while and a blue moon, but like I I love animals and, and they love me. Like animals and I have always had like a huge connection. I'm like, I can't communicate with them, but like, I think I can. Not saying that like I'm Dr. Doolittle, but there is a connection. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just, I can't bring myself to eat them because they're just like my friends and I can feel their emotion. I can't. But, you know, if you tell most people that they're like, you are crazy lady. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, your opinion of me is none of my business. (laughs) I'm going to not eat some cows. They're going to have a really good life and you enjoy your cholesterol, but like, (laughs) it's just, but I I kept on thinking back to minerals again, because 
in a way, minerals help us have this communication because what is uh, technology made out of? It's all minerals. Mm -hmm. Our screens are made out of crystals. Mm -hmm. They're made out of silica and and quartz and everything is being mined in China right now. China is Mm -hmm. being completely drained of resources and mines. And the next frontier is minerals because we're running out of minerals to create all of our devices. So now we're starting to mine asteroids. You had me thinking as you were speaking, like, oh, I wonder what energies we are opening up mining asteroids. Like what energy is there? And what are we bringing back with us? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I just had that thought. I was like, I didn't even think about that. But but again, it's just the rich are getting richer and they're getting rich mining new things. Mm -hmm. Just a different form of energy, right? Like, because all these things are energy. All. Yeah. All these things are energy. Energy, gold conducts energy. We use it in yep. spacesuits to mm-hmm. prevent like UV rays. The Russians, I'm Russian. And uh, the way we measure blood pressure is we write like a little strip of numbers that mm-hmm. goes like along your arm. It's like a mm-hmm. vertical strip with numbers. And then you take a gold ring on the string and you move it up the arm. And wherever your blood pressure is the highest, that ring will start swinging. Yep. It is the craziest thing to do. <laughs> and it's very accurate. Very, yeah. very accurate. But that's that's how like old school Russians used to measure blood pressure without a pump. Yeah. Energy is, is minerals and we're all connected to everything. I was going to ask you about grid keeping now and like, what is grid keeping and how do you figure out what grid to keep and what to do with it? Like, how do the messages come and how can, oh, so many questions. So I'm, I'm just like bombarding you <laughs> with questions. I like, just like, ah, I can't, it's flowing out of me like a Stargate portal. Like what is a grid? What is grid keeping? And how can people become a grid keeper? There's actually two sets of grids and the grids are changing. The electromagnetic grid within the earth is shifting. We're in a time and a process of ascension, which is probably is a phrase probably a lot of people have heard. And really, humans aren't the only ones ascending, right? The earth is ascending too. We're all doing this together. And the purpose of it really, it's kind of a grand experiment in the universe, right? Is can we embody ourselves fully in a human body? You know, can we do this? Because what we realize is that being in a physical body is somewhat unique in many places in the universe. And so can we get back to this place where we have, where we're working, not just through telepathy, it really is through our heart. That's the the important piece of the whole process is our heart. And so what's happening with the earth is that the grids are becoming crystalline. Again, we're going to this kind of diamond uh, crystal frequency that's within the earth. And so that's all shifting and changing within the earth. And then we have another grid outside of the earth that has clicked on in a different way in the last year and a half or so. And that's where these Stargate portals come in, right? So in these places, if you can think of what a grid, a matrix type grid on the outside of the earth would look like, where you have those intersecting points yeah, they're portals of energy. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> many I, people do. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably going to take this part offline, but between you and me, <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend a few years ago and we we tripped on acid. Uh-huh. And I looked up and I saw this, I saw the most beautiful crystalline grid covering the night sky 
And it was just That's beautiful. Awesome. And I knew I can upload my consciousness to it. I was like, oh, wait, look at this. I can take my thought and just go like that. And I can put it into <laughs> like the Akashic record. Yeah. And I was like, and I can take your thought and I can upload it there. And he was like, okay, you're nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> you're just nuts. And I was like, and this thing is connected to the pyramids. Like I just knew it. I'm like, oh, the pyramids are giant 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 servers and they're holding up this consciousness grid and i was like okay and then i i talked to a bunch of other friends i was like have you ever done acid have you seen it and like and a few people are like yes i've totally seen the grid and they <laughs> described it perfectly and they're like i've also seen it my cut like my cousin's like i've seen it in the ground too mine is always on the ground i always see it whenever like on on the ground yeah and i was like that's so fascinating i want to like find out like i wonder what the connection is between LSD and and grids. Yeah, interesting on that. See, <laughs> I haven't done acid, but I've done mushrooms. And so um, similar type of being able to really see. And I think that's the interesting part of psychedelics, right? Is that it removes a lot of the human constructs and constructs, right? That we, that are just learned, right? And when you realize it actually mm -hmm. shows you how easy everything is. That's interesting. I wonder if this whole Merkaba and intuitive thing is also genetic because I lost touch with my dad forever. Like we didn't talk until our twenties because my parents got divorced. We moved from Russia to America, long story. And then um, I connected with my dad probably again in my late thirties because <laughs> I college moved around life, whatever. <clears throat> and then I started spending more time talking to my dad on Skype. And then I started connecting with my grandfather who was there too. And then him and I started talking about like astral projection. And then my grandpa was like, do you know about Merkabas? I was like, wait, <laughs> you know about Merkabas? And this was like right before he died, like a few months before we died. So he, we didn't get like too much into it. Mm -hmm. But I was blown away that like my 80 something year old grandfather in Russia knew all about Merkabas. Just like anything else, right? We've chosen our family that we've come to incarnate here together. And some of it sure is to learn lessons and have specific experiences to help our soul grow. But I think there's also these other pieces of like, of course, we were all together beforehand and made these decisions together. And so depending on kind of where we were born, when we were born, what our interest level was in awakening in this lifetime. It's really surprising how many of our family members really have those same kind of connections and memories and in many ways just really maybe couldn't talk about it quite so openly in a different time. We're really, we're lucky to be living now and be able to yeah. explore this so publicly and share it with other people. It is. I feel such a relief of being able to talk about psychedelics and being able to talk about poltergeists and yeah, <laughs> and all this woo-woo woo -woo stuff. All this woo-woo stuff and talk about love because, I mean, even like 10 years ago, I couldn't talk about it. Yeah, and, I mean, just And I'm sure people decade. are tuning in to this podcast now, too, because I... My podcast is about diversity, so I have a lot of different people on the show. I have entrepreneurs, I have authors, I have writers, I have filmmakers. I have a lot of people who are into shamanism, and some people are going to tune in, and they're just not going to get the message, and they won't get it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But then some people might tune in, and they go, I totally get it, or like, oh, I kind of get it. I'll be a little bit more open to it. Like, let me open up my heart yeah. and see what reception I get. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I've stopped hiding. I was like, okay, like, 
I've seen six UFOs in my lifetime. I had a UFO shine a light on me. I'm going to talk about this <laughs> and you because should. everybody, everybody's like, everybody's like not talking about their experiences, but then the more people start talking about it, you'll see that people have had similar experiences to you. And you like come out from, from this like veil closet or whatever we call it when we can, and we can do our the work that we're supposed to do here. Right. And just, right. Just, and it's, it's just in us being and living our lives that we're assisting with the awakening process, right? Like we don't, we don't have to do all of these outward things. Those of us who are, you know, enjoy it and it's part of our mission. But in many ways, there are people who are awakening that you just have to go to the grocery store and do your weekly grocery shopping, right? And the people in your vicinity are going to subconsciously pick up on those codes as well. And if it's a trigger for them, you know, to awaken, then they will. But I think what's also interesting is that nobody came to earth in this time, who's not a a highly advanced being, right? Like, no matter if you're awake or not, whatever, however you want to define that, it's just that we have chosen different times at which we want to remember, really, when you say awaken, right? It's just like that remembering. and there's just different timelines to do that. And we're all carrying out a piece of what needs to happen in one way or another. So it's not necessarily that somebody is more or less kind of developed or advanced or whatever. They're just awakening at a different time. And so we can shine our lights and we can share our frequencies and we can be living in our truth and very publicly so the more it assists other people as well. And a lot of people might not wake up in this lifetime and they might have to come back and do it over again. Yeah, Yeah, it's different for everybody. Yeah, and then you have bodhisattvas and the Buddhist religion and all this other stuff. And it's very, very interesting. But I also wanted to ask you about the Bigfoot elders because I'm obsessed, obsessed, obsessed (laughs) with Bigfoot. Like if I had my own TV show, we would be in search of Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to ask you about the Bigfoot elders and I was going to ask you if they're like interdimensional creatures because I was watching the Missing 411 doc, which is fascinating. It's a bit disjointed. It's by, um, I think, David Paulides, who does a lot of the like missing people stuff. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like Missing 411. It's about all the missing people that go missing in national oh, parks. No, I'll have to look for that one. There's one on Hulu right now that's specifically about, it just came out a couple of weeks ago and I binged like, it's only three or four episodes, but I watched it all in one night. <laughs> it was really fascinating. It's following the story about whether or not Bigfoot killed some people on the coast of California back in the 90s. And it's very interesting. And you just have to go watch it. I can't remember what it's called, though. It might be just called Bigfoot. I can't remember. Oh, my God. So you'll have oh my to God, go I watch might, it. <laughs> I might just Google it. Yeah, yeah. It's on Hulu. Oh, though. my God. I have to watch it. I'm obsessed. Yeah. So I'm obsessed. Okay. So you talk about. Yeah. So I always say, if you work with the grids at all, you're probably going to stumble across a Bigfoot and not necessarily in the way that you think, like not necessarily that they're going to walk out of the woods and you're going to see one. I haven't seen one embodied, but very much energetically, they are all around me and here on the property where I live all of the time. They are interdimensional very much more connected with the earth. I always say that if you think about 
a star being and how you interact with a star being or communicate with them or whatever else there. It's a very similar frequency, except they're very much more grounded to the earth itself, right? This is like, this is their home, like it's our home. And so they're very interested in anything that has to do with working with the energies of the earth. And so they can pop in and out. They just live on a different frequency than we do, just like ghosts do, just like whatever else, but they can kind of move in and out. And that's this idea, right? Of like, now they're here and now they're gone and or people looking for them, they can very easily just switch back to another dimension or another frequency. And so that's how they can just disappear and why nobody can find them per se. But they're actually, I know them to be incredibly loving. Speaking of that love frequency, I mean, they embody it so, so well. It's one part of what they want to bring to humanity, but they do have a very, I don't want to say distrust, but you know, for many reasons, <laughs> they aren't super interested in coming forward in, in that kind of, they are working behind the scenes. But yes, there is a specific place nearby where I live that they kept calling me to over probably a year's period of time. Honestly, I didn't get it in the first place. Like I knew they were there, but I was kind of like, that's nice. <laughs> and I don't know what to do about that. And then they kept, they kept coming in my dreams. They were coming in my meditations. Like they were coming, uh, this one in particular, to really kind of just like drill it in that I need to go there and work with them. And so last summer I spent a month really working with them very deeply. And I didn't understand initially. I'm like, why do I have to come here? What's happening there? How are you different than the ones that you know are around where I live? And they really explained that they were the elders. And th this is in an old growth forest area. So an area that hasn't been disturbed in the same way that most of the other forests have been logged around here. This space hasn't been. And so their energy is still very strong and potent there. And they really taught me a lot, shared a lot with me. They created a meditation that I actually, it's on my work with me page if you're looking for that one, but specifically to connect with their vibration and work with them. So I find them to be just very beautiful, loving creatures. <laughs> That's why apparently I have to connect with Bigfoot because they're all yes, about love. very much so. Oh my God. Wait, is this meditation fully available on your page or is it behind yeah, the paywall? Yeah, this one is, it's $29. Which was the price they asked me to set for it. So, okay, cool. <laughs> it, that's what it is. <laughs> I think it's that's their a way very of great price for a meditation. <laughs> I love it. Through. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, how did you know it was like a Bigfoot reaching out to you? Like, do they have like a different frequency? Is it like a different voice? Is it? Um, like, I see them like in like my how how do in Bigfoot my mind's come eye. Through? But I've had a Bigfoot guide for mm -hmm. years and she came through very slowly. She was nervous about kind of showing herself to me as well. And so for a long time, she looked like a little girl with big hairy feet. <laughs> and then after maybe a year or so of working with her, she transitioned into like her whole Bigfoot self. And I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> I didn't, why didn't you just show yourself like this in the first place? And she said, well, I didn't think that you would believe me. And I'm like, well, you're probably right. I probably wouldn't have. And this was a number of years ago now. And so what really came through when I did this extended period of time working with the elders, because it's interesting, she was always with me, but she didn't have much to say. She didn't talk very much. Like there wasn't, she would just always show up if I was doing any energy work or traveling or, or anything. 
And so what really came through and what they showed me when I was working in this place last summer was that she's another piece of me yet, yet again, right? Like all of these guides and different energies that we all kind of perceive to be outside of us are really these other fragments and pieces of ourselves. So obviously that's why I resonate with this group of beings in this way is because it's just, it's another incarnation that I have, that my soul has on another, another level and another frequency. And so really since that time and since that work, she is much more integrated into me now. And so I really don't see her at all outside of me anymore. It's really just, we kind of merged energies through, through that work, but really up until then I was seeing them in my mind's eye. They look like Bigfoot to me. That they look exactly like Bigfoot. <laughs> That's so interesting because I, I wonder like when they communicate, if they communicate in English or if they communicate in like Bigfoot tones and they're telepathic or if it's just, this is just probably just, just thoughts and you just probably yeah, understand Yeah, it is. It's very much like the the other types of communications where it's coming in in a variety of different ways. And then it's like me that's translating what it means or oftentimes saying, what does that mean? (laughs) Do I understand it right? Am I getting this right? Very much so. So I don't know what language they're speaking, but it is probably very energetic on that level. It's probably a frequency. And then I'm, I'm picking it up and assigning meaning to it. (laughs) That's so interesting because I wonder if like what role they play here on earth, like whether it's guarding grids or like stargate like did they come through a stargate portal or if they're able to just like appear here? that's a good question as to how they originally you know yeah, like what is, got here if they came from somewhere else or if they were why here i haven't asked that question right like how did that's a really interesting question to find out because i they've existed in every religion like in every mythology yeah. almost like all over yeah. the world it's like how did how did they get here and like what is their what is their mission here like are they here to protect the land? Yeah, I definitely see them as as protectors and in some cases like almost acting as security. The ones that are here on my property, there's a lot of energy here where I live and a lot of different things going on including a stargate portal and they showed me after the stargate portal opened that the bigfoots are they're like the immigration officials, right? <laughs> so it was the funniest picture they showed me it was like the portal and there's all these energies you know like all these different creatures and energies and whatever coming in and Bigfoot's like sitting at a desk and instead of like having your paperwork ready right like they just read your energy and so they're able to basically tell what your intention is immediately and so then they can accept you can come in or you got to go out (laughs) and so I do interpret them as being very protective of earth itself. They obviously have a lot of interest of any damage that's being done. Even last summer when I was working in this place regularly, a tree had fallen down across the road to access this area. And beyond this area that I work in, there's a really busy trailhead a little bit further up the road. And so this tree had fallen down just before the parking area where I wanted to go. But everybody that day was having to park at this tree that was down to get a half a mile further to this trailhead. And so there was all this activity and all these people and noise and whatever, because it's just like everybody going hiking is right there. And so I just climb over the tree and go off into, you know, the woods where I want to go. And it was so noisy from 
just people activity and cars and everything else, it was almost like they were showing me like how noisy humans are, right? Or like how annoying (laughs) we can be. And so like, here we are out in the middle of nowhere and they were just kind of (sighs) like, it's so noisy. (laughs) And so it was a really good reminder even of just like, how sensitive their frequency is and their bodies and how even just our talking, our music, our cars, our our phone, they, they're very specific with me about leaving my phone, not just leaving it in the car, but turning it all the way off. And if I don't, they don't want to interact with me. They want that frequency of just having your phone is like a sledgehammer to their frequency. And so when you see that, you start realizing like how we're shifting energetically to be able to communicate. But it is like our bodies are getting more and more and more sensitive. And certainly mine has over the years. If you can pick up these subtle frequencies, then the others are just almost unbearable in some some cases. Yeah, after I spend a whole day on the computer, because I'm like, I work in advertising. So I have like 12 to 17 hour days sometimes or if I'm like, if I'm on the computer, if I'm doing back to back podcasts, like I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm vibrating at the end of the day, like I feel all these energies. And if I'm on the phone, like checking social media, like I feel that it's hard to go to sleep at night. Like I have to unplug. And when I started getting a phone, I think when I was like 20 something in college, you started having Mm -hmm. mobile phones. And then I just realized around 27, I couldn't talk Mm -hmm. on the phone because I would start getting a crippling headache every time. Like if I was on the phone for longer than maybe Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, I would just like this side of my head would start Mm -hmm. to burn. And I had to put the phone down and people were like, you're weird. You're the only one. You're like imagining it. I'm like, no, like I feel this really hot frequency coming from the phone. And like, I, I'm like, that's why I won't answer your phone calls. Like I don't talk to yeah. many people because it's just, I don't know. My brain is like melting inside of my head. I don't blame them. Phones are so awful. Humans yeah. Are so <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a good, uh, good education or reminder for me as well to, to really see like, yeah, if you want to interact with them, you kind of have to meet them where they are because it's, it's a lot for them to come into this frequency and, and interact with us. I wonder if you, if you connect with them next time. Yeah. Like, Where'd you come from? How long What's you your been story? Here? I, wonder, I would love to hear that. I think it'd be so interesting. How long you been here? What are some recipes that you have? What do you like exactly. to make? <laughs> do you have yeah. holidays? <laughs> I did have somebody else tell me. What do you worship? That you? she connected with them one time and they were showing her how they were present. And I was trying to find out like, were they taking credit? Were they participating? Or were they just watching like what was happening? But they were kind of like taking credit or showing her that they were around during the like declaration of independence and the creation of the constitution. Like they were, they were there with the founding fathers, but we couldn't quite get to the bottom of like, so were they like helping or just watching? (laughs) So yeah, really interesting. They've, they've certainly, (laughs) certainly been on earth for a long, long time. I would love to talk to you a little bit more about this. And I'm going to end on this note, which is uh, what's your dream as an adult? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, really wrapped up in all so many of these things we've we've talked about is just really helping us all shift to this love frequency. Ah, So cute. And really releasing ourselves from a lot of these, these things that have kind of kept us trapped or hidden away and and really being able to bring our full selves and our full frequency into our lives 
I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's, this is what we're doing and you're doing it right now. We're, we're doing, doing it, it together. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. And uh, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. And uh, if I'm ever around Montana, I will yeah, say definitely. hi. And I'll I'd say love it. hello. I love it. Or we'll go check out <laughs> Joshua Tree. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love, share it with your friends, have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.